19, verses 23 to 26. This is the word of the Lord. Please give it your full attention. The sun had risen over the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew the cities, those cities, and all the valley, and all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. Verse 26. But his wife, that is Lot's wife, from behind him looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Our gracious God and Father, our holy, eternal, and saving Son, and our ever-present help, teacher, and guide, Holy Spirit, we come before you in the name of the name, the name that is above every name, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask that you give uh, hearing to our ears this morning. We ask that you would help us to uh, take heed to the actions of Lot, that you would help us, as the Lord reminds us, to remember her, to remember her action, to remember her sin, to remember her punishment. Help us to avoid at all cost the way of Lot's wife. We pray that you would be with us and that you alone would be exalted in all that we say and do this morning. Christ, name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Welcome you on this Lord's Day Sabbath as we continue our study through the book of Genesis. We last time uh, examined the life of Lot, the lingering pilgrim, as it were. This man, Lot, that Peter described as a righteous man slowly drifted into sin and compromise, as we considered last week. We learned of the small steps backward that Lot took until this pilgrim became a settler in the wicked city of Sodom. Lot had traded his tent for a home of brick and mortar. And as he settled among the wicked for nearly 20 years, The Bible says that his soul was in absolute torment as he settled in Sodom. Torment over the sin that surrounded him, and yet he remained in Sodom. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 8 testifies that day after day, Lot's righteous soul was tormented by the lawless deeds of unprincipled men, and yet... Although Lot was experiencing torment in his righteous soul, it was not tormenting enough for Lot to leave the wicked city of Sodom on his own. Lot was tormented, but not enough. Lot was vexed, but apparently not enough to leave the city of Sodom on his own strength. Until one day, the patience of the Lord had run its course. The Lord will suffer the wicked for a time. 
But the Lord will not suffer the wicked beyond his appointed time. There will be a day of judgment. And it was on that day, that appointed day of judgment, that two angels entered into Sodom to remove righteous Lot. Lot was warned to escape the coming judgment that the wicked cities of the Jordan Valley would experience by God's righteous hand. And we learn that when Lot was warned to leave, Lot lingered. Lot should have hastily run and escaped from the city, but when judgment was about to fall, Lot lingered. He hesitated. The Lord was going to to rain down fire and brimstone from heaven upon the wicked cities, and still Lot hesitated to leave. And were it not for the grace of God, Lot would have lingered one second too long until he also would suffer the punishment of the wicked. The Bible says in Genesis 19, 16, so the, the men, angels, seized his hand and the hand of his wife and the hands of his daughters, for the Lord was compassionate on him, or the, the compassion of the Lord was upon him. And they brought him out, that is Lot, and put him outside of the city. The Lord God did for Lot what Lot was unwilling, unable to do for himself. Lot lingered. Lot hesitated. Lot delayed. And were it not for the compassion and grace of God, again, Lot would have been judged along with the wicked. But we are reminded at this point of Abraham's prayer in the 18th chapter, which was this. When Abraham asked the Lord, Lord, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Will you, O Lord, treat the righteous and the wicked the same? Will you, O Lord, treat the the righteous and the wicked equally? And the question comes, which is more of a statement, but it's posed in the form of a question. Shall not the judge of the earth deal justly? The rescue of Lot, this righteous man, was God's answer to that question. Yes, the judge of all the earth shall deal justly with his creation. Therefore, Lot was rescued because Lot was righteous and Lot would not be judged in the same manner or in the same way as the wicked. So God rescued him. And in the 20 years that Lot lived in the cities of the Valley of the Jordan, what fruit came forth from Lot's time that he spent there in that wicked city of Sodom? What fruit did he have to show? What good did Lot do to those who lived in the city? Or to ask it another way, how many escaped with their lives? Or escaped from the judgment of God because of Lot's righteous witness in the city. Only two. Only two. We shall see that these two, his daughters, were not spiritually redeemed. They were only physically rescued. But for all the time that Lot spent among the wicked, there were none who came to trust In Christ through his witness. 20 years. Only Lot was rescued from God's judgment. And we might say Lot was narrowly rescued. As a matter of fact, two sermons ago, I did say there are some who are narrowly saved, right? 
and we might even ponder whether Lot was saved at all. We might have, over the past two or three sermons, heard of Lot and, and Lot's actions and, and reasoned or concluded that Lot really was not saved. From all that we have read and all that we have seen, and still all that has come, all that is to come in, in the next final verses, we may still have a hard time believing that Lot was a believer. Anyone want to say amen at that? Yeah. And yet, Second Peter 2, 7 through 8 declares that Lot was truly a righteous man. And if we have any conflict on whether or not to believe Lot was truly righteous, our conflict should end there. What do I mean? The Bible says he was, therefore he was. If the Bible says Lot was righteous, then Lot was righteous, no matter how we feel about Lot uh, personally, right? Lot received the same grace that you and I had received. And just as your faith in mine is found in Christ alone, so was Lot's. Now, we may say, but, but all of the things that we've seen thus far, how is it possible that he was truly righteous? Let us consider a few. When the angels came to warn Lot, did Lot doubt their message? No. Lot believed. They came and said, God will destroy this place. And Lot said, I believe. When Lot was commanded to warn all whom uh, he knew to escape the coming judgment, evidence of his belief was that he ran to those who he knew. He, he may not have been much of a, an evangelist for the 20 years that he had been in Sodom, but on that one day at least, he became a prophet of the Lord, declaring what the Lord has said and what the Lord will do. He was not much of a prophet 20 years prior, but, but for at least one day, he was used by the Lord to declare judgment is coming. When Lot was told that the hour had come, the city would be destroyed, Though Lot lingered, and though he needed to be physically removed from the city, he did not fight the angels to stay. Lot obeyed the command. He did leave. Listen. And he did not look back. Consider all of these acts when you are wrestling with the evidence of Lot's salvation. Let me also say, to correct myself, the Lord Jesus Christ does not narrowly save anyone. The Lord Jesus Christ is, does not barely save anyone. He saves, when he saves, he saves to the uttermost. When he saves, he saves fully and completely. Though we bear little fruit, though we, we do not reflect the righteousness that we have uh, received perfectly, we are absolutely redeemed in Christ. Lot was truly a righteous man. Now, uh, barely saved, narrowly saved is our judgment of ourselves and to one another. But in the eyes of Christ, you are fully, completely sanctified in him. Thank God that our judgment of ourselves is not what Christ judges, judges us of, right? And yet, there was one who received all the benefits of Lot, all of the the 
the exposure that Lot had, this one had, and yet responded in a tragically different way. Remember Lot's wife. This woman and her look back shall be the focus of most of our time this morning. And with the Lord's help, I would like to consider with you just three points. Number one, remember the benefits of Lot's wife. Remember the benefits of Lot's wife. And for this point, let's turn to the book of Luke chapter 17. We are taking our cue this morning from the Lord Jesus Christ, Luke chapter 17 and verse 28. Luke 17 and verse 28. The word of the Lord reads, It was the same as happened in the days of Lot. They were eating. They were drinking. They were buying. They were selling. They were planting. They were building. But on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just the same on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, the one who is in the housetop, who is on the housetop, and whose goods are in the house must not go down to take them out. And likewise, the one who is in the field must not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. The words of our Lord are relative to our text this morning. How so? The Lord was speaking on what the temperature of life will be in the time of his return. The Lord Jesus says it will be like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, we must ask a question at this point. Does this mean that the world will be at the height of its wickedness when the end of the days will come? Does that make sense? Are, are, are we to look at the world and all that surrounds us and say it's exactly like Sodom was, well, yes, it will be extremely wicked. But consider the words of our Lord on what the wickedness will be. When we think of what is wicked, does that mean that everyone will be killing one another without restraint? Does that mean that people will be uh, breaking into homes without any law or lawlessness? Is that what we are looking for? Not necessarily. Listen to what the Lord says concerning the days of Noah in verse 27. In the days of Noah, before the judgment of water, here's what life was like. They were eating. They were drinking. They were marrying. They were being given in marriage until Noah entered the ark. Now, this is very interesting. The Lord Jesus is telling us what the temperature of life will be on the final day. What the, the, the manners of men will be on the final day. What will men be doing? Isn't it interesting that the days of Noah are much like the days of Sodom? And the days of Sodom, for that matter, are the days much like the days of our day. As a matter of fact, they are much like the days of every day. Every generation. They are carrying on, as it were, with the normal affairs of life. Consider the days of, of Sodom. They were eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, building. Uh, any of you eat this morning? 
Did any of you drink this morning? Has there been anyone who has bought or purchased something today or yesterday? Has anyone sold anything? Anyone planted a garden? Anyone building anything? The Lord Jesus says, we are carrying on with life in the same way that those of Noah's day, Lot's day, and our day, and the day in which all things will end will be much like the norm. People will be living their lives normally. But on the day Lot went out from Sodom, it rained down fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Interesting. The days of Noah, much like the days of Lot, much like the day of our day. And what is the sin? The sin is this. Man is engrossed in the normal routine of life. And what did they all have in common? Here's what they had in common. Unpreparedness and preoccupation. You hear that? What's the sin? Is it sodomy? Not necessarily. It's preoccupation. Being preoccupied. Being unconcerned. And because you are preoccupied, because you are unconcerned, you are unprepared. Why were these sins? They, because what are these people preoccupied with? What are they uh, uh, concerned for? This world. Do, do you see? It's, it's the buying. It's the selling. It's the planting. It's the building. All of these things are, are setting up life here as if this is it. This is the final destination. They love this world. That's what it is. They are in love with this world and they have no concern with God. They are attached to this world, bound to this world, friends with this world, lovers with this world. And collectively, there is no concern and no love for God. That's the sin. The sin of, 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 of the people of Sodom's day was that they sought to get on with their lives with God excluded from them. Is God a burden for you? Especially on days like, like this day when we are weighing out our options. Go to evening service or enjoy a game. We are on this day, days like this, confronted with love for the world or love for God. On, on days like this day, we are, our faith is truly tested, is it not? There's nothing else going on in the other Sundays. Might as well go to church. They, those of, of Noah's day, those of Lot's day, and those of this day and every generation until the Lord comes... They, like Adam and Eve, they sought to be their own gods. To store up treasures here on this earth as if this earth was the final destination. And the point that the Lord Jesus Christ is calling people of every age to do is this. Remember Lot's wife. For those who live in that manner, here is your solemn warning. Remember Lot's wife. Imagine the Lord is telling us what all of what the end will be, what the manner of men will be. And then judgment comes. But the Lord says there is one who epitomizes what that life is, uh, what who what one who lives like that is. 
and what their end will be. Remember Lot's wife. What a solemn memorial that she stands as long as our time exists. She stands as one who epitomizes what it means to love the world more than love for God. And we are called to remember her. The judgment, her sin. For it is laid up for those who are attached to this world as she was attached to Sodom. Remember Lot's wife. She sought to leave or to save her life in Sodom. And ended up losing her life altogether. And here is why it is also a very solemn warning. For when the Lord Jesus spoke these words, he was not speaking to the throngs of people gathered on the Mount of Olives. But rather, he was speaking to his very own disciples. Remember Lot's wife. He was not speaking to a crowd of people, was he? He was speaking to his disciples. Those who had been afforded the the blessings of being in the presence of the God-man. For three and a half years. And and yet in spite of that, that wonderful, glorious blessing. One of them would look back. One of his disciples would love the world more than the Savior. And we may ask, how much more? 30 pieces of silver more. 30 pieces of silver more than the Savior. Remember Lot's wife. Remember all of the godly benefits that had been afforded to her. Lot's wife had been given the benefit of godly examples. The benefit of a godly community. community, The the benefit of, of hearing gospel preaching. While the rest, listen to this, while the rest of the inhabitants of the world lived in spiritual darkness, in superstition and in sin, she was within the house of Abraham. Well, the gospel was not as worldwide spread as it is today. It was more isolated. She had access to all the means of grace within that house of Abraham. Lot's wife was truly a a favored woman. Affording or being afforded all the benefits of the means of grace. Religion and worship of God were no small matter in the house of Abraham. They were they were the, the, the very centralized theme of all that they did. And also for Lot's house, for a time. The worship of God was the wellspring of all their pursuits. The rewards uh, of the, the, the pursuits of all of the Hebrew was God. The wanderers worshipped Yahweh. And she was in the house of the Hebrews. It is right to conclude that for a time, Lot's wife was a witness and maybe even a participant in all of these things. It is, a, it is possible that when Abraham first heard the call of God, the promises of God, and entered into a covenant relationship with God, that Lot's wife was there. It is possible that when Abraham built his altar, Lot's wife was there. It is possible that when Lot was taken captive and then delivered, that Lot's wife was there. That when Abraham uh, met Melchizedek and offered up the the offering and tithe, 
that Lot's wife was there. That when Lot moved close to and then into Sodom, that Lot's wife was there. When angels came with a warning to flee destruction, that Lot's wife was there. And listen, these were no small benefits. And yet with all of these great benefits, how did they benefit the heart of Lot's wife? How did they penetrate the heart of Lot's wife? Not in the least. She, at the end, was judged alongside of the wicked. Listen, she was judged with the wicked as one of the wicked. She was exposed to the grace of God and yet died graceless. She was exposed to God and died rejecting him. She was called to faith but died faithless. The eyes of her understanding were never open. Her her conscience was never quickened. Her will was never brought to a state of obedience. Her affections were only on things below and not on things above. She had a a form of religion and kept up the facade of religious fashion. But her heart remained cold. You know what the facade of religious fashion is. Those who speak spiritual words. But their heart is not truly converted. Those who use God's name, but because they are unconverted, they use it in vain. Her husband, Lot, was a religious man. He was, as the Bible says, a righteous man. And it is possible to be married to a righteous one and be unrighteous yourself. It is possible to to be the son or daughter of a righteous one and be unrighteous yourself. He was religious. But he too was plagued with compromise. But she conformed to his religious ways. But her soul remained unconverted. The world was in her heart and her heart was in the world. Brothers and sisters, the mere exposure to religious privileges will not save anyone's soul. Merely attending to the means of grace will not rescue our souls from the judgment of God. What does that mean, pastor? That means... Simply being here won't save you. We may be afforded the exposure to all of the means of grace, spiritual benefits. We may be exposed to uh, the best of faithful preaching, God-centered word, uh, word-led prayers. We may be exposed to these things. We may witness those who profess faith in the waters of baptism. We may even dine with the Lord at his table and yet still be unconverted. How is it so? Those wonderful graces are delivery systems of grace. But they must be received by faith. Or they will do you no good. The exposure to those graces, meaning you hearing God's word, you being in the presence of prayer, you seeing baptism, you coming to the Lord's table, does not mean that one has received them by faith. They've only been exposed to them. 
There are benefits in those graces, but they must be received by faith. It's not the benefits that makes one a believer. It is faith in Christ alone that makes one a believer. It's not just coming to church that makes you a believer. It is faith in Christ alone that makes you a believer. It is not just seeing the Lord's Supper. It is truly fellowshipping with Christ at his table as one who has taken his sin upon his shoulders for your sake. It is repentance and faith. And let this be a warning. What have you received from all of the benefits that you are now even being exposed to? Even now as God's word is being spoken into your ear, what is the condition of your heart? What's the state of your soul? I say to you young and I say to you old, if you have not trusted in Christ, then you are no better than Lot's wife. Husbands, wives, people of every age, very young and very old. The benefits that you are being exposed to even now will do you no good unless you repent and place your faith in Christ alone. Remember Lot's wife. And all the rich benefits that she was exposed to and in the end judged as the wicked. And it was not a mistake. She was not accidentally judged. It, it, It was not as though she accidentally looked back. She intentionally looked back. She was judged with the wicked because she was one of the wicked. Take heed. Learn from Lot's wife. Remember, as the Lord said her, the godly benefits that were afforded to her. And yet she was judged among the wicked because they were not received by faith. How do we know that? Number two, remember the sin of Lot's wife. We are saying she did not receive them by faith. She did not receive them by faith. How do we know that? Simply. Verse 26 of chapter 19. Uh, Think of the position of Lot's wife physically, where she was. But his wife, this is Lot's wife, from behind him, looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Brothers and sisters, why was Lot's wife judged among the wicked? What was her sin? When we, when we maybe first read this, we may say, for a look backward, God judged and destroyed her for simply a look backward. Could a look backward be so sinful? Let us remember the sin of Lot's wife. For with this woman's look backward, we are given a window to peer into the depths of her soul. Simply with a look. When the angels had taken Lot and his family by the hand to remove them from the city of destruction, they were given commands. Verse 17 When they had brought them outside, one said, one of the angels said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you. Now, this command was not something that the angels were making up along, uh, were were making up as they went along. Does that make sense? They, They were not coming and giving instructions 
as things were happening. They were servants of the Lord. They were on assignment from the Lord. They were there on the Lord's behalf to do what the Lord had commanded them to do and to say what the Lord had commanded them to say. Therefore, this command was not from the angels, but rather this command was from God. And here is the command. Escape. And don't look back. But upon hearing the command from the Lord, there begins to arise, it seems, a question within the heart of Lot's wife. What if I do look back? What's going to happen to me? What will he do? Don't we do that sometimes? It's the same question that all, listen, who hate God's law ask. What if I do? What will you do? It is the question that all who seek to toe the line and keep pushing the line further and further to see what will happen. Some of us know little children that way. We don't do that. And they look at you and they do it. That should remind you each time they are a sinner who needs to be saved. Yes. It was the lie of the serpent who first deceived the first man and first woman by simply saying, God has said, if you eat of this tree, you will not surely die. Or that you will surely die. You will not surely die. Lot's wife heard the command and yet refused to believe God's word. She refused to love God's command. And she feared not the consequences of disobedience. And she explained or she revealed that disbelief with a look backward. The look of Lot's wife was multifaceted. It was a look of proud disbelief. She doubted what God said, feared not the consequences of disobedience. It may appear to be something small. It may appear to be an insignificant act, but it revealed a greater illness. It is often little things that reveal the state of one's heart. Even, even, even more than big things. Little symptoms in our bodies reveal a greater sickness, point to a greater sickness. And her look backward revealed a stony heart, one that was unwilling and even unable to believe. Song of Solomon 2.15 says, The little foxes that spoil the vineyard, the little foxes, the little so-called sins, Reveal a greater symptom, a greater incurable disease that is only cured by faith in Christ in our hearts. The look of Lot's wife told of a secret love affair that she was having. That she was carrying on with the world. Though her body had made it outside of Sodom, her heart remained. She turned back 
And when she looked back at Sodom, she looked back to the place where her treasure really was. And Jesus warns, or First uh, John warns us, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. And let this be a warning to you and me. Though we be here, let us not run this race content for a time with the honeymoon of Christianity. Isn't it in those early stages wonderful? It's a honeymoon. The songs are exciting to you. The preaching is grabbing and, and, and taking hold of your heart. It seems like you love everyone at first. Let us not be half-hearted Christians. Let us not turn our back on Christ and look back at the empty treasures that we have left behind in the world and say, if I can only bring them with me, though. Remember Lot's wife. Let us beware of being exposed to the call as we are being exposed to the call now to follow Christ and to carry on as if we have been joined to him while deep in our hearts, within the depths of our soul, we are engaged in a passionate love affair with the world. Remember Lot's wife. Don't pretend to follow Christ. Young ones, old ones, husbands, wives. Don't pretend to follow Christ to appease your family. Don't pretend to follow Christ to appease your husband, to, to appease your wife, to appease your parents. For they may be fooled by your charade, but God is not fooled. Your sin, your lack of faith will be exposed. Don't follow Christ to keep in step with those whom we admire. To know what they know. To speak how they speak. There's no reason to follow Christ. Don't follow Christ to gain a place of prominence, a position of power or reputation. There's no reason to follow Christ. Don't follow Christ because you think you will somehow gain something monetarily. You will be exposed. Remember Lot's wife. Lot's righteous soul was vexed while he lived in Sodom. While the soul of Lot's wife was vexed because she had to leave Sodom. It is a remarkable thing that while the the flaming sulfur of God's judgment came falling down upon the city of Sodom, Lot's wife could not help but give one last look backward to the love of her heart. Sodom. It was a condemned treasure. And if you can imagine in your mind's eyes, she heard the warning of the angels. She even took steps to leave. She runs with Lot and her daughters. They've reached the gate. She's following her husband. And where is she? Behind him. And she's kept up the facade. He cannot see what she's about to do. He has no idea if she was in front of him. She may have been tempted to look back. And he may have continued to push her. Go, go, keep running. But because she was behind him, it was easy for her to say, he won't know. She won't know. Just one more look. And that one look, what was she looking back at, I wonder? 
Was she looking back at, at, will he do this? Will God destroy the city? Was she looking back at her home? Maybe she was wondering, I've got to live in a tent again? We were so established there. Maybe she was looking back at family, friends, maybe a livestock, riches, influence. Or maybe she was looking back at her heart. Because it was left there. And because it was left there, she was destroyed along with it. She was turned and to a pillar of salt. Jesus said in Luke 9.62, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Amen. And what is the issue? It's a divided heart. The Lord Jesus said in Matthew 6.24, no one can serve two masters. When Lot was urged to leave, he was confronted with this fact. No one can serve two masters. It is either going to be Sodom or it's going to be God, but it can't be both. It's going to be God or it's going to be Sodom, but it can't be both. For Lot, the choice was quite different. She weighed out which would be her master and she made her choice by looking back. It's going to be God or it's going to be Sodom. I'll choose Sodom. The look of Lot's wife revealed that she had been having an affair. Again, she was not unfaithful to her husband per se. She was faithful, unfaithful to the God of heaven and earth. And the Lord God gave her over to her sinful passions. Though her body be out of Sodom, she left her affections there. She turned her eye to the place where her treasure was. And the crowning point of, of, of this fact is this. Friendship with the world is enmity against God. You cannot have Christ and your sin at the same time. Why? Because of the cross. Our sin is what placed Christ on the cross. They, therefore, they are diametrically opposed to one another. It was our sin that caused his hands and, and feet to be nailed. It was our sin that caused the, the thorn of crowns to be placed upon his head. It, it was our sin that caused those men to spit in his face. It was our sin that caused the soldier to, to spear him in his side. It was our sin that caused Christ to climb Golgotha's hill carrying our cross. It was our sin that caused darkness to fall upon him. He took our sin for us. But we can't have them both. Children. Young men. Young women. Those who are married. Those who will be married. Professing Christ. Uh, Christians of Christ's body, you who preach, you who desire, aspire to preach. You cannot serve two masters. You will either love one and hate the other or hate one and love the other, but you can't have them both. 
Seek first the kingdom of God. Take heed. Lest we be like the character in Pilgrim's Progress named Mr. Facing Both Ways. I encourage you to read it if you've never have. There was a character and his name is Mr. Facing Both Ways. He's a double-minded man. A man who is unstable in all of his ways. Why? Because his desires are divided. His loyalty is unsure. And in the end, he perishes with the wicked. Remember Lot's wife. Third and finally, remember the punishment of Lot's wife. Genesis chapter 19 and verse 26. But his wife from behind him looked back. And she became a pillar of salt. Does it seem like a a sin that is very small to judge this woman for? She looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Our sister Ophelia said, I know her name. Her name is Pilar. That's clever. The result of judgment fire and brimstone that came upon the city would produce a city that is dust and ash. Here's a a fun fact for your Sunday morning. The Dead Sea is 1,400 feet below sea level. You've heard of the Dead Sea. It's the earth's lowest elevation on land. And it is one of the saltiest bodies of water on the face of the earth. It is nine times more salty than oceans, than normal ocean seawater. One could go into the Dead Sea and without holding your breath, easily float upon the water because the amount of sea or salt in the sea. The saltiness of the sea makes the environment harsh. Therefore, Plants and animals do not grow nor flourish in that region. Hence the name Dead Sea. Historically, the Dead Sea has two other names. We know it as the Dead Sea. In the Middle East, it's also known as the Sea of Zoar. And its other name is the Sea of Lot. It is located in the valley of the Jordan. And it is said to be where the cities of the valley of the Jordan once stood and are now simply a salty wasteland. And among the deadness of that region are the salty remains of Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. She looked back. We must remember the question that the Lord or that Abraham asked the Lord. Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Shall not the judge of all the earth deal justly? He shall treat the righteous and the wicked differently, not equally. The answer is yes, the Lord God will deal justly. The righteous shall not be swept away with the wicked. They shall be saved. And the answer also is yes, the the judge of the earth shall do what is right. He shall deal justly. He will judge the wicked and he will save the righteous. 
Who did the Lord God come to judge? The righteous or the wicked? The wicked. Lot's wife was judged with the wicked because she was one of the wicked. And her wickedness has been exposed. It's one thing to die with the ungodly. But imagine to die with the ungodly, even though you've had all the privilege of privileges of the righteous. She went as far as the gate and then she perished. The apostle Peter said in second Peter two twenty one, it would have been better for them to have never known the way of righteousness. than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. It would have been better for her if she never knew the gospel. <laughs> but because she knew the gospel, she was culpable for what she knew. Young ones, old ones, those in between, you hear the gospel, you're now responsible for it. You hear the gospel, you are now responsible for it. It would have been better for her if she had not been exposed to all the godly benefits than to suffer even more judgment because of her, her rejection of the way of life. She knew the way of life and rejected it, turned back from it. And she was judged as the wicked because she was one of the wicked. This is the end of Lot's wife and her story. We hear no more of her until the day when the Lord Jesus Christ calls us to remember her and her sins. And she stands as the example, as long as the Lord shall tarry, of one who loves this world more than God. Remember Lot's wife. And, and the Lord continues, he says, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. So that leaves us with some pressing questions this morning, doesn't it? Where are you, brothers and sisters, friends, visitors, those who are exposed to the means of grace this morning? Where are you? Where do you stand? Are you careless about the return of Christ? Do you wish this sermon would stop so you can go home? Are you lukewarm or are you altogether cold? Are you a double-minded man lingering between two options? Are you secretly cherishing sin in your own heart? Are you having a secret love affair with this world? The Lord Jesus calls you, remember Lot's wife. And he said, those who seek to save their lives will lose them. That is those who store up treasures on earth, you will be destroyed with them. They are nothing but wood, stubble, and hay. But those who are tre- storing up treasures in heaven, you are making the right investment. Those who are friends with this world, 
Those who cling to this world and its fleeting pleasures will find them to be empty in the end and unable to save. But for those who lose their lives, those who take up their crosses, those who die to themselves, who seek first the kingdom of God, you are the ones who are poor in spirit to whom the kingdom of God belongs to. Once again, closing, John Bunyan in in his story, Pilgrim's Progress, speaks of the the main character, Christian, convinced in the opening pages that the city is doomed for destruction. And he warns his wife and his kids to flee from the coming wrath. And they thought he's out of his mind. He's crazy. He had recently picked up a Bible. And day after day, he's reading his Bible and his burden is becoming greater and greater. And then he meets a man by the name of Evangelist. And he pleads with Evangelist, I read in this Bible that I must be saved. Tell me, how can I be saved? And Evangelist points him toward a shining city and says, run there, flee there. The wrath of God is coming upon this city. Run to the light in the distance. And so Christian, hearing this call to to be saved, really, he begins to run towards that light. And then behind him, he hears his wife and his children crying out for him, come back home, come back home. And he plugs his ears and says, life, life, eternal life, and keeps on running and will not look back. Nothing would deter him. He had found a treasure that nothing could compare to. He would not linger. He would not compromise. There would be no looking back. Life. Life. Eternal life. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has. And buys that field. That treasure is Christ. And if there is anything that is rivaling that treasure in your heart now, then bring that to Christ. As our song that we sang earlier, come lay down your trophies at the cross. There is nothing that compares. I bid you, remember Lot's wife. Follow Christ. Seek first the kingdom of God. Let us pray.